Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The podcast is about to begin. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 90 of the Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. I am your host, Tino Romero Jr., a.k.a. The Graveyard Grumbler. Today's episode was a weird one for me. I thought I was going to get this badass, amazing episode done today, so I started just doing a whole dump pile of, of research but then I come to find out that this guy isn't as interesting as I thought he was going to be. But I'll try to make him interesting. I'll try to boost him up and I'll try to make sure that this experience is a very interesting and engaging one. But today's episode, we are going back into history. I'm talking about we are going so far back into history that we don't even have triple digits or quadruple digits. We're still in double digit numbers right now. Today, we are going back to 37 AD. That's right. A.D. I think that was after the birth of Christ, which, you know, it never got to me because B.C. is before Christ. But A.D. is what? After what? A.D.? Anybody knows, let me know. GraveyardGrumbler at mail.com. GraveyardGrumblerPodcast on Podbean, Instagram, uh, Good Pods, Podchaser, all those places I'm there. But today we are going to learn about Emperor Nero that came from the Roman Empire. We all know, I mean, the, the greatest empire of all time, the, the greatest civilization that has, what is that, uh, kick-started what our democracy and everything is today, supposedly, allegedly. So today we're going to learn about Emperor Nero. We are going to figure out who and why was he considered one of the worst people in history. Now, if you Google 10 of the worst, or the most, the worst... In, if you Google the worst men in history, Nero is in like the top 10 or 15 of the most horrible people. And I tried to figure out why. And when I started reading about it, the other guys on the list were, oh, were way worse. I mean, like Vlad the Impaler on the last episode that I did. But anyway, let's go ahead and get, let's go ahead and get started. So who was Nero? Nero was born Lucius Dom, Domitus. Oh. <laughs> Anaubarus on the 15th of December, 37 AD in Antium, which is now modern and Zio. Again, I do not know how to pronounce a lot of these words. And a lot of these words that I try to Google, the, the pronunciation just didn't stick in my head. So I apologize to anyone who speaks this language or who is very familiar with this history, this historical event for butchering the absolute shit out of all these names and these mostly the names. So I do apologize. And hopefully you can forgive me as my gracious listeners usually do. So Nero, he was the only child, the son of politician Naus Domitius on Hauber on on let me see A H E N O B A R B U S. So that's a Henobarbus. I think so. And Agrippina the younger. <laughs> His mother Agrippina was the sister of the third Roman emperor Cal- Caligula. Nero was also the great great grandson of former emperor Augustus, who was a descend who descended from Augustus' only daughter Julia. I mean, he already has a rich history of people who are in charge, very strong family. So you know, we already know that he's destined to be an emperor. Once you're kind of born in that family, you're going to end up being an emperor. I mean, you might have to claw your way up there, step on some faces, but either way, you are going to make it to the top. There's there's no questions about it. You you are going to make it to the top. The ancient biographer Suetonius, who was critical of Nero's ancestors, wrote that Emperor Augustus had reapproached Nero's grandfather for his unseemly enjoyment of violent gladiator games. Now, the game, the games back then—that's back when uh, when they had 
soldiers or slaves or random people battling bears and fucking lions in a big ass circle pit and seeing who would survive. And if the animal survived, well, then they just save him for the next one. And if the if the human didn't survive, well, oh well, let's just bring in another. I mean, I'm not against it, but it would never go on today. I mean, they want to ban the UFC for its brutality. Could you imagine having people getting slaughtered by lions, tigers, and bears? Oh my. Jesus Christmas. According to Jurgen Mollett's Seutonis tells that Nero's father was known to be irascible and brutal. The fuck is irascible? Hold on, let me look that up. All right, so irascible is having or showing a tendency to be easily angered, an irascible man. That is the first time I've ever heard that word. Huh, that's a new word inside of my vocabulary, irascible. I like that. So his father was known to be irascible and brutal and that both enjoy chariot races and theater performances to a degree not befitting their position. Seutonis also mentions that when Nero's father, Dom- Domitus, was congratulated by his friends for the birth of his son, he replied that any child born to him and Agrippina would have a detestable nature and become a public danger. Well, that's not a good thing for a brand new father to say. So this dude, the dad pretty much said, yo, if whatever kid that comes out of my wife is going to be a fucking menace, he's going to be the shit. Step aside. No one knows any better. We are going to get wild with this boy. Any of our kids are going to kick names and take ass. God damn. That's insane. What, what kind of father? I mean, you're already breeding your kids and you already have this predetermined notion that your kids are just going to be horrible ass monsters and they're, they're going to just probably be the scum of, of the world. I mean, how many people actually, I mean, how many parents are actually going to say, yo, my kid is going to be a, a menace and it's going to be a danger to the public? Not very sane people. I mean, not people who want productive members of society. That's just something you don't really put out there on blast and say, yo, this is exactly how it's going to be. Domitius died in 40 AD. A few years before his father's death, his father was involved in a serious political scandal. His mother and his two surviving sisters, Agrippina and Julia Lavilla, were exiled to a remote island in the Mediterranean Sea. Damn. See, you know what that's messed up? Is that when someone, when one family back in this time, when one, like the husband in this, in this case, he was involved in, a, in some sort of scandal, but not only does what did his own family or did the, the husband have to suffer, now the whole family is going to be exiled or the women specifically. And the, his crimes are going to be taken out on his family. I mean, that's not fair, especially if the, not, now if the family was involved and that's different, if the family was coherently involved, knowing that his, that the husband and the dad was, was completely fucking up and involved in shit that he shouldn't be. And then, yeah, I understand the family being, you know, exiled and, and punished for, for said crimes. But if they're innocent, they had no idea what the dad and husband was doing. Then why punish the, why punish the people that weren't involved? That's just a way to get rid of people and not have to deal with anyone. That's the way I see it, but hey. His mother was said to have been exiled for plotting to overthrow the emperor Caligula. Nero's inheritance was taken from him, and he was sent to live with his paternal aunt, Domitia Lepida the Younger, the mother of the later emperor Claudius, Claudius's third wife, Messalina. Oh, never mind, so I retract that. So his mother was said to have been exiled for plotting to overthrow the emperor. Well, that's a good reason to be exiled. 
you're not going to leave someone there to form a rebellion and destroy, you know, try to overthrow the current person in charge. You know what I want to do? I want to, I want to organize a rebellion. I really want to do not, not against the government. I don't really give a shit about all that. And plus they're just too damn powerful for a small rebellion. What I want to rebel against, I want to rebel against bosses and the unfairness of wages and the ridiculous amount of shit that employers give their employees. Now me personally, I've suffered through a lot of unfairness my entire life as far as having to work, being called in, making, being felt, being made to be, to feel guilty for wanting to take a day off or for calling off sick and using my sick hours. You know, I was, although back when I was younger, I didn't know about sick hours. So if I, if I didn't want to go to work, I was a bum for like maybe almost a year. I, I didn't want to work, but I would love to form a rebellion against all the unfair employers around here. And just have them overthrow it and just have equal equality. That's it. Just equality. It's not that hard. But let's get back to it. After Calugula's death, Claudius became the new Roman emperor. Nero's mother married Claudius in 49 AD, becoming his fourth wife. By February 49 AD, his mother had persuaded Claudius to adopt her son, Nero. Dang. So here we go. We have, we have, what's her name? Nero's mother said, yo, Claudius, you're single and ready to mingle. I'm hot to trot. Why don't we hit something together? Let's slap some skins. Oh, by the way, can you adopt my son, Nero? He's a motherfucking monster. But, you know, you don't have to worry about having another kid or having to bring one. I already have one here. He's already been made. Let's just let's just direct him to where in the direction that we want him to go. And Claudius is like, yo, why not? After Nero's adoption by the emperor, after the emperor Claudius, Claudius became part of his name. Nero Claudius Caesar Drusus Germanicus. Hold on. Jesus Christmas. That's more than a Mexican name. Let me do this again. So after the adoption of, after the adoption by emperor Claudius, by the emperor. Okay. Hold on. After Nero's adoption by the emperor, Claudius became part of Nero's name. Nero's name was now to be Nero Claudius Caesar Drusus Germanicus. Claudius had gold coins issued to mark the adoption. Can you imagine? Yo, I just had an adopted kid. Here's my here, here's a, a, a commemorative coin with my new kid's name on it. Or in this case, my, my son's face on it. Let's go ahead and just put out a whole bunch of coins. That way we have something to remember this non-historical historical event. Let's make something so huge out of something so mundane and so small. Can you imagine if there was a coin for every child that was adopted here in the States? I mean, we would have like, I don't know, probably just under a thousand coins because I don't think that many kids are being adopted. A lot more should be adopted, but they're not for, for, for for whatever reason. Plastics professor Josiah Osgood had has written that the coins through their distribution and imagery alike showed that a new leader was in the making. However, David Schoder, Schoder noted that despite events in Rome, Nero's stepbrother, Britannicus, was more prominent in, prov- in prov- provincial coin- coinages during, during the early 50s. Oh, so his stepbrother was all, yo, I know that, that you think you've done something, but homie, I've been holding down the coin game for the, for the longest time, and I am the most dominant coin holder or coin, coiner, coinage in the 50s, get some. And Nero was probably thinking like, yo, that's not cool, but hey, it is what it is, homeboy. 
Nero formally entered public life as an adult in 51 AD at approximately 14 years old. When he turned 16, Nero married Claudius's daughter, his stepsister, Claudia Octavia. Oh, so we got some step, we got some step sibling stuff. Help me, step brother. I'm stuck. <laughs> That's not right. I mean, it, it, technically, there's nothing wrong with it. They're just step. They're not blood. You know, I mean, if if their paths would have crossed a different way, then they still would have gotten married. But I just had to throw that stepbrother joke in there. Between the years 51 AD and 53 AD, he gave several speeches on behalf of various communities, including the Ilians, the Apamians, which was requesting a five-year tax reprieve after an earthquake, and the northern colony of Bologna after their settlement had suffered a devastating fire. So he's starting to do well. He wanted to, to, hey, let's relieve some taxes so our people can get back on their feet, and that way we can have some more money coming in through the economy and not tax it all away from them for out of greed from the government. Huh, that's a good idea. Maybe our modern government should take a little bit of, uh, what is that called, uh, a page out of history since we're so, you know, we're so focused and hung up on history. Claudius died in 54 AD. Many ancient historians claim, historians claim that he was poisoned. Oh, shit. Claudius. Oh, man. So the emperor died. So Claudius died in 54 AD. Many ancient historians, historians claim that he was poisoned by Agrippina. Schotter has written that Claudius's death in 54 AD has usually been regarded as an event hastened by Agrippina due to the signs that Claudius was, shown, was showing a renewed affection for his natural son. He also notes that among ancient sources, the Roman historian Joseph, jo, Josephus, Josephus was uniquely reserved in describing the poisoning as a rumor. So Agrippina, his, his new wife, had him taken out 187 Black Widow because he was showing renewed affection for his natural son? What in the backwoods incestual tobacco spitting bullshit is that? I mean, I, I, can you can you blame Agrippina for for killing the dude? I mean, he was going to sleep with his with his own son. He was having certain affection with his own son. Yeah, I don't think that's right. There's that's not right in any way, shape, or form. But I mean, you can't just go around one eight seven one eight sevening emperors. You just you know without probable cause. Well, it's cause he was liking his. He was f- having affection for his own his own son. That's not that's bad. Stop that. That's, that's insane. Contemporary sources differ in their accounts of the poisoning. Tacitus says that the poisoning, the poison maker Locusta prepared the toxin, which was served to the emperor by his servant Halotus. Tactus also writes that Agrippina arranged for Claudius's doctor Xenophene to administer poison in the event that the emperor survived. God dang, they were going to double dose his ass. Look, man, if this didn't work, we're going to go ahead and handle him on the second time with his own doctor to administer even more poison. That way we know the job is done and he's dead. You hear me? Dead. D-E-D. Dead. I mean, I don't blame him. That's a good way to make sure that the job is done. But goddamn. A double dose of go fuck off. You know what I mean? Siotonis differs in some details, but also implicates Halotis and Agrippina. Like Tactus Cassius Dio writes that the poison was prepared by Locusta, but in Dio's account, it is administered by Agrippina instead of Halotus. In Apocalypse, oh my gosh, in Apocalypse, Apocalypse, 
Seneca, the oh, oh my gosh, in Apocalypse Seneca, the younger does not mention mushrooms at all. Acrobina's involvement in Claudius's death is not accepted by all by all modern scholars. Why do I always choose these episodes with some hard ass names and some difficult ass words to know to to pronounce? Now I'm pretty sure I was supposed to learn this in high school, but again, we all know exactly what happened to me in high school, and because of that, I'm all fucked up. I'm all the way fucked up. You know what I mean? Before Claudius' Claudius's death, Agrippina had maneuvered to remove Claudius' son's tutor in order to replace them with tutors that she had selected. She was also able to convince Claudius to replace two perfects of the Praetorian Guard who were suspected of supporting Claudius' son. With Afrenius Burrus, Nero's future's guide, Nero's future's guide, since Agrippina had replaced the guard officers with men loyal to her, Nero was subsequently able to assume power without incident. So let's get rid of everyone who's going to have a rebel or who's going to have some sort of barrier or protest against Nero taking over when he wasn't rightfully able to take over. So according to, to the chain of command, Claudius's blood son, his, his, his son that he birthed or that he made, was supposed to take over, not Nero. And but because uh, Agrippina was like, yo, my son is going to be the one who's going to take it all or not take nothing at all. We're going to go ahead and get rid of everyone who's going to protest and stop my son from being the rightful heir to the throne when he wasn't the rightful heir. So now we're there and now let's continue. So now we are Nero's reign. Somehow, someway, Nero was able to take over and say, I am the man. I am the king, the emperor. I am the one who shall rule it all. According to ancient historian, Nero's construction projects were overly extravagant and the large number of expenditures under Nero left Italy thoroughly exhausted by contributions of money, with the provinces ruined. So one of the big things that, about Nero that, that I found pretty interesting that he did not know how to manage money one bit. He, wanted, he, he pretty much thought that money grew on trees and it just came out of nowhere, that there was no economy to, to ever have any sort of effect on. I mean, the, 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 if whatever he wanted, he would get, and no matter what it was, it's going to happen. He didn't realize that when he would spend extravagantly or he would use money to exhaust his, his forthcomings, I don't know if I said that right, that they, it would have a catastrophic event on several other people's economies. And because of that, again, when uh, he, the, Nero's construction projects were overly extravagant, and the large number of expenditures under Nero left Italy thoroughly exhausted by contributions of money. So with that, I mean, he ruined provinces because of all the money he drained from them. I mean, you want to keep the most powerful people happy. That's, that's always been the rule. But at the same time, when do you say that enough is enough? Modern historians through note. Modern historians, though, note that the period was riddled with deflation and that it is likely that Nero's spending came in the reform of public works projects and charity intended to ease economic troubles. Well, you can say one thing, but if it's depleting and not having the effect, the desired effect, then we all know that that's not right. Nero became emperor in 54 AD age 16, at age 16 years old. This made him the youngest sole emperor until Elagabalus... Elagabalus... <laughs> who became emperor at age 14 in 218. As pharaoh of Egypt, Nero adopted the royal titillary 
autocrater near neuron hic, god damn it these words are all torah neuron hec hecqua jamak hudaksat suit yeah there's no i'm not there's no way i'm pronouncing all of that shit so emperor nero ruler of rulers chosen by ta beloved of isis the sturdy armed one who struck the foreign lands victorious for Egypt, ruler of rulers, chosen of none who loves him. So that's what all those fancy words that I just try to pronounce and completely destroyed meant. So Nero was a pharaoh of Egypt? See, again, I don't... Oh, no, 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 Here we go. As pharaoh of Egypt, Nero adopted the royal... T- yeah, it says that... that here that, that Nero was the pharaoh of Egypt. That's insane. I thought, huh, yeah, it says that he was the Roman Empire. I mean, the pharaoh of Egypt. That's pretty insane. I didn't know that you were able to do that, but. Nero's tutor, Seneca, prepared Nero's first speech before the Senate. During this speech, Nero spoke about eliminating the ills of the previous regime. H.H. Scullard writes that he promised to follow the Augustine model in his Principate. His principate to end all secret trials, intra-cubiculum, to have done with the corruption of court favorites and freedom, and above all, to respect the privileges of the Senate and individual senators. So justice for all equality, we're going to get rid of all the shady shit and everything's going to be fine. I mean, that, that's pretty much what Nero's first speech was about, but he wasn't the one who wrote it. Again, it was his tutor, which his tutor, I'm sure, had some back, his, some back pocket ways of wanting to get his name out there to have some sort of political power or some political recognition. Like, I don't know that for a fact. I'm just throwing in my negative three cents. His respect of the senatorial autonomy, which distinguished him from Caligula and Claudius, was generally well-received by the Roman Senate. Of course it was. You're going to have somebody who, who's going to speak the language that people want to hear and not someone who's going to go against what they've established and believe in. I mean, that makes sense. Scholar write that Nero's mother, Agrippina, meant to rule through her son. Agrippina murdered her political rivals, Domitia Lepata, the younger, the aunt that Nero had lived with during Agrippina's exile. Marcus Junius Solanus, a great-grandson of Augustus and Narcissus. Why? Who even came up with these goddamn names? Man, punch him in the neck. One of the earliest coins that Nero, is, that Nero issues during his reign shows Agrippina on the coin... On the, hold on, let me. One of early, one of the earliest coins that Nero issues during his reign shows Agrippina on the coin's obverse side. Usually, this would be reserved for a portrait of the emperor. The Senate also allowed Agrippina two listeners during public appearances, and an honor that was customarily bestowed upon only magistrates and the Vestalis Maxima. In AD 55, Nero removed Agrippina's ally Marcus Antonius' palace from his position in the treasury. Shotter writes that following, following about Agrippina's deteriorating relationship with Nero, what Seneca and Burris probably saw as relatively harmless to Nero, his cultural pursuits and his affair with the slave girl Claudia Acti were to her signs of her son's dangerous emancipation of himself from her influence. Britannicus was poisoned. Britannicus was his stepbrother. Britannicus was poisoned after Agrippina threatened to side with him. Nero, who was having an affair with Acti, exiled Agrippina from the palace when she began to cultivate a relationship with his wife, Octavia. 
Jurgen Malitz writes that ancient sources do not provide any clear evidence to evaluate the extent of Nero's personal involvement in politics during the first years of his reign. He described the policies that are explicitly attributed to Nero as well-meant but incompetent notions like Nero's failed initiative to abolish all taxes in 58 AD. You can't abolish all taxes. You need some sort of taxes. Not, not, I mean, you can manage. Scholars generally credit Nero's advisors, Burris and Seneca, with the administrative success of these years. Mollitz writes that in later years, Nero panicked when he had to make decisions on his own during time of crisis. Oh, no, I don't know how to make decisions for myself, so I'm going to fall onto my two advisors. But again, he was under the age of 20. He was only like 16, 17 years old during this whole time. You know, I mean, you have to think about it. When you're that young, I mean, you're going to panic. I mean, hell, there's kids panic now on trying to choose what they're going to have, cereal or a bagel. Of course he's going to panic making big decisions. I mean, there's adults now that panic what they're going to do. Are they going to put panties on or no panties? It's one of those deals, you know? Nevertheless, his early administration ruled to great acclaim. A generation later, those, a generation later, those years were seen in retrospect as an exemplar of good and moderate government and described as quinquennium neuronesis by Trajan. By Trajan. Especially well-received were fiscal reforms, which, among others, put tax collectors under more strict control by establishing local offices to supervise their activities. After the affair of Lucius Pedonius Secundus, who was murdered by a desperate slave, Nero allowed slaves to file complaints about their treatments to the authorities. Well, that's good. He was one of the first ones to give slaves their, their words, but then that was completely revoked later on, as we all know, at, at the way history unveiled and move forward the way how we've had to fight just recently in the 50s and 60s for the civil rights movements. A lot of slaves, not all slaves, all slaves don't really have a voice, but, um, you know, we have uh, Nero here who said, yo, go ahead and file complaints. Not that anything's going to be done, but we'll make you think it's going to be done and we'll let you file a complaint. So Nero's decline, again, I, I, I'm cutting out a whole bunch of ridiculous amounts of, of, of information because if I did not Again, we would be here for like four hours. And my throat is already killing me from the three-hour marathon that I had on my live radio show yesterday. So we have his decline. Now, his de- this wasn't just like a four or five-year decline. This was a decline over several years. I mean, I think he was in power for like 15 or 20 years. So every good ruler, good, every good emperor always has a decline and ends up either being 86 exiled, or just dead. So let's find out what's going to happen to Mr. Nero here. The Oxford Encyclopedia of Ancient Greece and Rome cautiously notes that Nero's reasons for killing his mother in 59 D are not fully understood. According to Tacitus, Tacitus, the source of conflict between Nero and his mother was Nero's affair with Papiana Sabina. What the hell? Wait a minute. So Nero just offed his mom? Nero straight 187 his mom and said, yo, things aren't going to work out. Pop, 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 pop. Take that. And I don't think they had pop pops back then. They didn't have those. I think they just had spears and knives and swords. In history's in history's Tacitus writes that what that holy shit. Hold on. In history's Tacitus writes that the affair began while Papia was still married to Rufius Crispinus, but in his later work, Annals Tacitus says Papia was married to Otho when when the affair began. I mean, just leave the married women alone, man. You're, you're an emperor. I'm sure you can get what you want. So why even start shit that you're going to have to end up killing someone just to keep it quiet? In Annals, 
in Annals Tacitus writes that Agrippina opposed Nero's affair with Poppea because of her affection for his wife, Octavia. Anthony Barrett writes that Tacitus' account in in Annals suggests that Poppea's challenge drove Nero over the brink. A number of modern historians have noted that Agrippina's death would not have offered much advantage for Poppea as Nero did not marry Poppea until 62 AD. Barrett writes that, that Poppea seemed to serve as a literary device utilized by Tacitus because he could see no plausible explanation for Nero's conduct and also incidentally served to show that Nero, like Claudius, had fallen under the malign influence of a woman. See, it's that woman. It's the, it's the, it's the devil spells that the women cast upon us men. No, I'm just kidding. The only way that you're being cast upon anything is if you allow yourself. I mean, if you're so madly in love that you're going to allow her to completely control you, then you need to step back and realize, hey, man, we need to put a limit on this. According to Suotonius, Nero had, Nero had, his, had his former freedman, had his former freedman Anasictus arrange a shipwreck. Agrippina survived the wreck, swam ashore, and was executed by Anasictus, who reported her death as a suicide. So Nero decided to have his mother's make it look like an accident. His it, Nero said, yo, I need my mom gone. I, I don't want to do this straight out in the open. So let's go ahead and make this look like an accident. And his freed man said, yo, I got you, boy. Just go ahead and kick a couple of uh, extra of those Nero chips in my back pocket. And we're going to go ahead and take care of this for you. So what he did was that they tried to make this, this her ship sink as she was being, as she was traveling to another land. But because of her her spitefulness and her determination and her dog her no dog die attitude, she swam to shore. Well, the assassin saw that and said, "Yeah, we can't have this." Phone check, fool, and stabbed her up. But making it saying that it was a suicide, knowing that she was assassinated. So, I mean, that has to be some kind of a dirtbag to have your own mother assassinated and killed because she didn't agree and had something to say about what you were doing. Okay, this, this dude's pretty jacked up so far. Modern scholars believe that Nero's reign had been going well in the years before Agrippina's death. For example, Nero promoted the exploration of the Nile River's sources with a successful expedition. After Agrippina's exile, Burris and Seneca were responsible for the administration of the empire. So, of course, we're, gonna have, we're not going to have Nero, who just killed his mom, going to rule everything. Let's go ahead and have some advisors to help him out along the way, and let's make this campaign successful. Sounds like a good deal? Good deal. However, Nero's conduct became far more egregious after his mother's death. Miriam T. Griffin suggests that Nero's decline began as early as 55 AD with the murder of his stepbrother, Britannicus, but also notes that Nero lost all sense of right and wrong and listened to flattery with total, with total credulity after Agrippina's death. With total credulity after Agrippina's death. Griffin points out that Tacitus makes explicit the significance of Agrippina's removal for Nero, uh, for Nero's conduct. So once Agrippina was gone, according to, to, to historical facts or historical writings, Nero went buck wild. He straight went crazy on the yard. He was just speaking wild on the yard, speaking at the neck, saying, I can do what I want, when I want, because I am the man. My mom is gone. She's gone, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's gone, fool. There's no one that's going to tell me nothing. I ain't worried about nothing. No, I ain't worried about nothing. So because of that, that the death of his mom, because she has some sort of structure and some sort of plan for him, 
It was right about then when things started declining, but according to earlier sources, he started unraveling with his poisoning of his stepbrother, Britannicus. My thing is, don't kill anyone, and then you won't have to worry about the, the instability of your mental health. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a, a good key or suggestion for everyone out there. Don't, don't kill anyone. You won't have to worry about destroying your mental health. In 62 AD, Nero's advisors, Burris, Nero's advisor Burris died. That same year, Nero called for the first treason trial of his reign. Against, why are these, why are these words so goddamn hard? Against his reign, or uh, for the first treason trial of his reign against Antistius Socinus. He also executed his rivals, Cornelius Sulla and Rebullius Plautus. Jurgen Mollitz considers this to be a turning point in Nero's relationship with the Roman Senate. So remember earlier in the in the in the report that Nero was all about equal, uh, legality, the judicial system. Let's go ahead and see what the Roman Senate has to say. We're going to follow everything they say because they are word word is bond. We're going to follow what they say. Now he's like, man, fuck you, motherfuckers. I'm going to do what I want. Pop pop. Let's put a oh, again. There's no pop pops there. So stab stab. We're going to go ahead and take all these motherfuckers out because they were treasonous. We are going to figure out who are these treasoners and we're going to get rid of them ASAP Rockies. And then his homeboys were all, yo, but what about the Roman Senate? Man, he said, fuck the Roman Senate. I am the law. Which isn't good. When you have somebody with, with uh, drunk power that way, it's not a good deal. Because that means shit's about to hit the fan and everything's going to go bad. As we know in history about the, the, the great Roman Empire and the end result. We're getting there soon. Malice writes that Nero abandoned the restraint he had previously shown because he believed a course supporting the Senate promised to be less and less profitable. So all he wanted was money. Look, man, I support you, but if I'm not having no chips coming back, I'm not supporting you. This is plain, simple, bold and blank. That's it and that's all. There's no other questions. There's no other answers. We are going to get it done my way or no way. If I'm not making money, then you can go on the highway. I'm telling you, I should have been a professional singer. After Burris's death, Nero appointed two new praetorian prefects, Phanius Rufus and Ophonius Tigillinus. Tigillinus. Oh, I tell you. Politically isolated, Seneca was forced to retire. According to Tacitus, Nero divorced Octavia on grounds of infertility and banished her. After public protest over Octavia's exiles, Nero accused her of adultery, which with, oh my gosh. After public protest over Octavia, Octavia's exile, Nero accused her of adultery with an Anixitis, and she was executed. God damn. In 64 AD, during the Saturnalia, Nero murder, <laughs> married Pythagoras, a freed man. What the hell? He married a freed man. So he divorced his wife on grounds of infertility. Inf- inf- infertility and when the public protests and say yo that's not a reason to exile someone just because she can't have your kid he said oh by the way did i tell you that he cheated on her on me with my boy and and acetus and anectus i don't know how to pronounce this word a-n-i-c-e-t-u-s i'll let you pronounce it and then she was executed based off of the lies and the fabrication of nero because she he wanted to do what he wanted but didn't want any any problems so he said, yo, we're going to just, that's it. Take her out. And they did. Off of lies. You know, that, that's still, that, that, I mean, women are being prosecuted now off of lies. It's so stupid. But 
when you're the emperor, you can pretty much do what you want. So the great fire of Rome, remember the fire of Rome? I was there. When I, when I heard about the great fire, I was like, yo, my boy George. Okay, I'm going to lie. I, I wasn't there personally. I just heard this on an account from my buddy George, which he was there the night of 64 AD. July of 64 AD. My buddy George was there. And he, and after when uh, I finally, when him and I met, we were drinking one night. He's all, dude, look, can I tell you a story? I said, man, I'm always good for story time. Let me crack open a cold one. And he's all, dude, hey, did you ever read about this, the great fire of Rome? And I said, of course I have. It's one of the most historical events that was the, the uh, capsize and the destruction of the Roman empire. He's all, dude, I was there. Let me tell you firsthand of exactly what happened and what the people were thinking. And I'm like, yo, George, for reals? Dude, let me grab a whole 12-pack because I'm sure this is going to be a while. But let me read you on the part of what was written in history. The Great Fire of Rome began on the night of 18 to 19 July 64 AD, probably in one of the merchant shops on the slope of the Avatine overlooking the Circus Maximus or in the wooden hour seating of the circus itself. Now, there's a lot of theories and a lot of crazy things about what happened with this fire. And, uh, and according to certain myths and legends, there's a lot of reasons why this fire started. But one thing is for sure that the Great Rome fire was during Nero's reign. So I'll let you put three and three together to make one. You know what I mean? Rome, has, Rome had always been vulnerable to fires, and this one was fanned to catastrophic proportions by the winds. Tacitus Cassius, Tacitus Cassius Dio and modern archaeology describe the destruction of mansions, ordinary residents, public buildings, and temples on the Aventine, Palatine, and Caelian hills. So this fire was huge. This fire burned, I mean, out of control, burned houses, buildings, everything you could think of. It just fucked everything up in this process. Just, just like any fire would do. I mean, a fire is hungry. It's going to eat. and You keep feeding the beast. It's going to grow and grow and grow. Just like the California fires. The bushfires in Australia, I mean, it just gets out of hand. The big Rome fires were no different. You know, I apologize if my voice sounds a little off today. My voice is, my, my, my voice is killing from the three-hour marathon I did on the radio. The fire burned for over seven days. Then it subsided, and then it started again and burned for three more. It destroyed three of Rome's, three of Rome's 14 districts and severely damaged seven more. This was a fire that burned for 10 days. It didn't. It, it, it subsided. It didn't completely go out. It just died down a little bit. And then it said, let's get the party started again. And another one. And another one. And it just it burned 14 of Rome's districts. Oh, I'm sorry. It, it destroyed three of Rome's 14 districts and severely damaged seven more. And this is, what, this is one of the big destructions of the Roman Empire. The, the reason why it was so difficult for the... I'll get to that point. I'll get to the point why, why it was difficult for the Roman Empire to recover when back when, when after the fires were finally put out. Some Romans thought the fire... Some Romans thought the fire was an accident. The merchant shops where it probably started were timber-framed. They were sold... They sold flammable goods... <laughs> they sold flammable goods and the outer seating stands of the circus were timber-built. Others claims that it was arson committed on Nero's behalf. Oh, yes. A lot of people believe that because of the shit that Nero was involved in, a lot of his, a lot of his uh, scandals and a lot of other things that people were questioning him, 
that in order to distract them from capturing him in some illegal shit, they accused him of, of having the fire started on his orders. Can you imagine? I mean, what big distraction would it be? Yo, I'm, I'm about to get stuck. What should we do? Should we kill everybody? No, 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 no. Something better. Okay. Should we leave? Absolutely not. Something better. Okay. Then what, what do we, what do we do in order to get the, get the heat off of us? Exactly. Exactly what? The heat. Right. I needed to go away. No, we need more heat. What are you talking about? We need more heat. We're going to burn the, we're going to burn all of Rome down. We're going to what? We're going to burn Rome down. All I need for you to do, Nero, is give me the word and I am the fire starter, the twisted fire starter. I am the fire starter. Are you shaking your head? Huh? You, you just said, yeah? Huh? I got you, boy. I got you, my boy. And then boom, Rome went on, got set on fire. Now, I don't know if that's exactly how the conversation went. I'll have to ask George for confirmation because I'm pretty sure he was there when that happened. But I'm pretty sure it was something that way. But that he was accused of, of starting the great Roman fire. Could you imagine being, having that attached to your name as, as being a suspect for starting one of the greatest fires in the entire world or the entire history? It just isn't just the entirety of history itself. You, your, your name is tied to the, the, the beginning of the collapse of the great Roman Empire. That's probably something that I don't want to be involved with. The accounts by Pliny and the Elder, Suetonus and Cassius, D, Cassius Dio, suggest several possible reasons for Nero's alleged arson, including his creation of a real-life backdrop to a theatrical performance about the burning of Troy. Suetonus wrote that Nero started the fire to clear the site for his planned pal- palatial golden house. So a lot of reasons why, they, I mean, one was because he wanted to reenact the burning of Troy. Then he also wanted to clear it so he can start building his great estate, his golden house, as a lot of people remember he was insanely neurotic about. I mean, why not just buy out the land and just kick people off? I mean, that's what the government does now anyway. It's no different. This would include lush artificial landscapes and a 30-meter-tall statue of himself, the Colossus of Nero, cited more or less where the Colosseum would eventually be built. Suetonius and Cassius Duo claimed that Nero sang the sack, sang the sack of Ilium in stage costume while the city burned. <laughs> so Nero was over there in costume singing, the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. We don't need the water. Let the motherfucker burn. But back then it wasn't called the roof. It was called sack of Ilium. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know if that's, if that, if that's what that means. But allegedly, they claimed that Nero sang the sack of Ilium in, the, in stage costume while the city burned. That is absurd to even be a, accused of, knowing that you're the emperor and you're supposed to protect your people in your entire empire, but you're singing songs in costume while your city's burning. The popular legend that Nero played the fiddle, the fiddle while Rome built... Oh, sorry, Jesus, Christmas... The popular legend that Nero played the fiddle while Rome burned is at least partially a literally construct of Flavian propaganda, which looked askance on the abortive Neronian attempt to rewrite Augustan models of rule. So allegedly, and I read this back when I was a kid, because I remember I wanted to learn about Nero when I was a kid, just so the fact that he was playing fiddle when Rome was burning. And in my head, what I pictured was 
just think of the the battle of of the the Charlie Daniels battle where where the devil was trying to play for a soul and he uh, um, Johnny what was it Johnny played the fiddle I think that's his name Johnny I'm we're gonna say Johnny he just he beat the the he beat the devil to win the fiddle of gold that is what I pictured Nero doing when I was a when I was a wee little grumbler. But then to find out that it was all just make-believe because they just wanted to slander his name and throw dirt on it, you didn't need to put more dirt on Nero's name. He already put enough dirt on himself. Tacitus suspends judgment on Nero's responsibility for the fire. He found that Nero was in Antium when the fire started and returned to Rome to organize a relief effort providing for the removal of bodies and debris, which he paid for from his own funds, which technically his own funds was his own people's funds. He didn't, he didn't do that with his own money. He did that shit with, people, with the taxes and other things that he was given. After the fire, Nero opened his palaces to provide shelter for the homeless and arranged for food supplies to be delivered in order to prevent starvation among the survivors. Well, that's pretty good. That's what a good emperor should do. You know, just help the people, right? Right. Tacitus, Tacitus writes that to remove suspicion from himself, Nero accused Christians of starting the fire. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Tacitus writes that to remove suspicion from himself, Nero accused Christians of starting the fire. According to this account, many Christians were arrested and brutally executed by being thrown to beast, crucified, and being burned alive. Tacitus asserts that his imposition of such ferocious punishments, Nero was not motivated by a sense of justice, but by a penchant for personal cruelty. So back in the back in those days, back in the AD times, we're going back in the 60s and of AD. Christianity wasn't a large group. The 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 Christians themselves, especially right there in Rome, was a small little. It was, it's not the powerhouse that it is now. Back in the Roman Empire times, Christianity was literally like just a group of. It's like a group of D and D nerds just sitting off to the corners, you know, preaching about Christianity. No one really thought that the movement would take off and be the powerhouse that it is now. So much like Hitler, what do we have to do to blame for something so horrible to, that happened to our, our, our empire? Right, let's blame a group that isn't very popular among the majority. And a lot like Hitler, remember, Hitler blamed the Jews for the complete destruction and, and, the, and the, the failed economy of Germany. And we all know what happened after that. So in, in this sense... Nero blamed the Christians, and because of that, they were thrown to beast. They were they were mauled and killed, and and just completely destroyed by beast. They were crucified. Or crucifixion was huge upon the Romans. Now that, that was that was a, a huge thing back in the Roman Empire. Remember, Jebus himself was was crucified allegedly, supposedly. There's no proof. I don't see any pictures of it. So I mean, I'm pretty sure you know. We, uh, never mind. <laughs> So, and they were crucified and they were also burned alive. I have a little more to add to that little story, but let's continue with the rest of it. Tacitus asserts that in his imposition of such ferocious punishments, Nero was not motivated by a sense of justice, but by a penchant for personal cruelty, meaning that he didn't care about the justice. He just wanted to do it because he enjoyed being cruel. He wanted to fuck these people up out of his own personal enjoyment. I mean, to each his own, but goddamn, you know, that's, that's some brutal shit. Houses built after the fire were spaced out, built in brick, and faced by porticus on wide roads. Nero also built himself a new palace complex known as the Domus Aurora in, area, in, the, in an area cleared by the fire. The cost to rebuild Rome was immense, requiring funds 
requiring funds the state treasury did not have. So let's we're going to bank our entire our entire nation to build the house of my dreams. Who get, who cares about about the economy? Who cares about anything? I just want to build myself this house because fuck everybody, I deserve it. I opened up my palaces to the poor, to the to the hungry, and the homeless. Fuck you, pay me. I need it. To find the necessary funds for the reconstruction, Nero's government increased taxation. In particular, heavy tributes were imposed on the provinces of the empire. To meet at least a proportion of the cost, Nero devalued the Roman currency, increasing inflationary pressure for the first time in the empire's history. So what better way to get more money for my buck? Let's devalue, let's raise taxes and devalue the the coin the currency that way goods and and hardware is going to be a lot cheaper and a lot easier for us to buy that's easy so that way i can still take as much money as i need but it's still going to be cheap on my cost on my part that way a lot of people it doesn't seem like i'm robbing the, the joint i'm robbing it clean that's pretty much what it was so i'm, I'm going to create an issue i'm going to solve that issue but i'm also going to create another issue making it seem like i've solved all the issues makes sense in 65 AD, Gaius Calpurnius Piso, a Roman statesman, organized a conspiracy against Nero with the help of Subrius Flavius and Sulpicius Asper, a tribune and a centurion of the pra- Praetorian Guard. According to Tacitus, many conspirators wished to rescue the state from the emperor and restore the republic. Well, that makes sense. I mean, you're bankrupting the entire em- emperor, empire. So yeah, let's get rid of the guy who's causing the downfall and let's get it back to the glory that it was. The freedman Melictius discovered the conspiracy and reported to Nero's secretary. Oh my gosh. Epaphrodotios. Frodotus. So Nero's secretary, Epaphroditos. <laughs> Boy, I tell you. As a result, the conspiracy failed and his members were executed, including Lucian the poet. Nero's previous advisor, Seneca, was accused by Natalis by Natalis. He denied the charges, but was still ordered to commit suicide as by, as by this point, he had fallen out of favor with Nero. Can you imagine me accused of something saying that you didn't do it and then forced to commit suicide? It's like, I look, check it out, man. You either kill yourself or you either kill yourself or I am going to kill you for you. That, that, those, those are your, those are pretty much your two choices. You have no other choice other than kill yourself or I'm going to kill you. So either way, you're going to die. And at this point, there's no saving because Nero is like, dude, you're on the outside looking in. You're no longer the homeboy. You're no longer part of the clique. You're not a goonie anymore. You got to go. Nero was said to have kicked Popeia to death in 65 AD before she could have a second child. Modern historians noting the probable bias of Suetonius, Tactus, and Cassius Duo and the likely absence of eyewitnesses to such an event propose that Popeia may have died after miscarriage or in childbirth. So according to legends, Nero might have kicked Popeye to death like, this is Sparta! Boom. Ah, hoo, 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 Pop. But then a lot of people say that because he was, she was giving birth to a second child, she may have miscarried or died in childbirth. No one knows. There was no witnesses. So whatever is said is said, but there are different reasons why he may have died. But can you imagine just being that raw? To where, look, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna kill my ex. Well, I'm gonna kill my wife because I'm done. I don't want to be married anymore, and I'm not gonna divorce. Cause I'm not paying child support. I'm not paying sp- uh, spousal support. I'm not paying anything. I'm just gonna kill you. You're gonna die. 
That's 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 some crazy shit. Nero went into deep mourning. Papaya was given a some a sumptuous state funeral, divine honors, and was promised a temple for her cult. A year's a year's importation of incest was burned at the funeral. Her body was not cremated as as would have been strictly customary, but embalmed after the Egyptian manner and entombed and entombed. It is not known where. So let's just not, we're just going to honor the, honor her the way I feel it is appropriate. And we're just going to leave it at that. Where, where's she buried at? Don't worry about it. Only I know. In 67 AD, Nero married Sporius, a young boy who is said to have greatly resembled Papaya. Nero had him castrated, tried to make a woman out of him, and married him in a dowry and, and bridal veil. It is believed that he did this out of regret for his killing of Pompeo. Oh, okay, hold the fuck on. Hold the phone. In 67, Nero married Sporius, a young boy who was said to have greatly resembled Pompeo. Nero had him castrated and tried to make a woman out of him. Married him in a dowry and bridal veil. So why even kill your wife if you're going to marry somebody that looks exactly like your wife? Unless you were homosexual and you really didn't have fancy the, the company of women, but preferred the company of, of boys in this, in this case. I mean, that's the only reason that I can think of. I mean, what other reason would they have to where you're going to kill someone and make somebody look like your ex-wife that you just killed? I mean, you're going to marry someone, have them castrated and try to make them look like the, the, the wife that you just killed. That doesn't make any sense. But I mean, Nero didn't make a lot of sense. I mean, that's, that's some pretty fucked up shit, though. Let's go ahead and, and castrate this young man. Let's make him, trying to make him a woman. That way I can still have my memories of my wife. Huh. That's, that's some insane shit. So what were some of the horrible things, horrible things that Nero did? I know that I've, I've kind of tiptoed all of, over all of this. There wasn't really much to, to go through and and find what the horrible things. I mean, I, I read a little bit here and there, but it's nothing to where I'm like, God damn, this is this is insane. I'm not, I'm talking about not like Hitler shit, not like Heimlich Himmler or even Vlad the Impaler. So let's find out. Let, let's find out some of the horrible things that Nero did. Nero's 13 year old stepbrother Britannicus died suddenly, according to the ancient writer Tacitus, Tacitus's account. Nero and hold on, who wrote this shit? According to the ancient writer Tacitus's account, Nero and, Apri- and Agrippina intentionally poisoned Britannicus to make way for Nero to take over the emperorship. I mean, that's just some brutal shit. When you could kill your own stepbrother, your own stepson, to make room for your own kid, that, that's, 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 pretty gang- that's pretty gangster. Though much of this testimony has been disputed and even scientifically discredited, the, accus- discredited, the accusation has contributed to Nero's in- insidious reputation. So he wasn't poisoned. Okay. Cool. Thanks for telling me that he did, but then he didn't. Nero put the blame, this is on the fires. Nero put the blame squarely on Christians. Nero took to prosecuting believers with glee. He had them thrown to dogs, nailed to crosses on an occasion. He dipped Christians in oil, set them on fire, and used the light to illuminate his gardens at night. Oh my gosh. That's some pretty fucked up shit. I didn't mean to laugh. But this Fustrate used him as human torches to keep, to light up his gardens at night so people can walk upon, among the path with safety and make sure they don't trip into a precipice. He had him dipped. He dipped the Christians in oil and set them on fire and used the light to illuminate his gardens at night. <laughs> God damn. 
So he had thrown, he had them thrown to dogs. He had nailed them to, to crosses. But the worst thing, in my opinion, was to light them up and and have them as as light torches to light up his garden at night. God damn. According to Roman historian Cassius Dion, Nero would fasten naked boys and girls to stakes and then, and then putting on the hide of a wild beast would attack them and satisfy his brutal lust under the appearance of devouring parts of their bodies. That's just messed up. Yeah, that's all kinds of fucked up. So, uh, this, so Nero would, put, would fasten naked boys and girls to stakes. And then he would put on the hide of wild beasts and would attack them and attack the children and to satisfy his brutal lust under the appearance of devouring parts of their bodies. Yeah, this boy was all jacked up. This, this fool was all tore up. That, that's pretty bad. Okay, now I know why he's one of the worst people in history. That, that's, that's some fucked up shit. When Nero passed in 68 AD, there was some, there was some believe that his suicide couldn't have been real and that the mad emperor still lived. There were even several occasions when men who claimed to be Emperor Nero, men who resembled the ruler and sang to the music of the, of the lyre, would arise in the public eye momentarily. Typically, these men were strung up and slain with the, <laughs> with the quickness. God damn. The image of Nero... Well, hold on. So there was after, after Nero died, because eventually he died. After Nero died, there was people who said that, that they were the ruler. They were coming as, as they were claiming to be the emperor so they can have their, their power and, and do what they want. And so because of such atrocities that Nero committed and the, and the state that he almost devastated the economy of, he, not, not almost, but the way that he devastated the, the Roman economy, people strung these men up and killed them with a quickness. Said, yo, oh, you're Nero? Oh, you're Nero? Fool, you're back? Yeah, I am Nero, the emperor. Oh, my boy Nero, you're back, my boy. Come here. Hey, get the rope. What? Get the rope. We're going to fuck this fool up. We don't want this fool back. And so they strung him up and killed him just for stating that they were Nero and they, they bared some sort of resemblance to Nero. So that's how much they liked him. I guess he wasn't voted most popular in, in Rome at the time. The image of Nero as dastardly was so pervasive that his actions might have, might have contributed to the personification of the Antichrist in the New Testament and the belief that when said Antichrist arose, he would do so in the form of the emperor. So that makes sense for all those people who believe in religion. These Christians were crucified, they were persecuted, they were, they were just completely obliterated. And so why not form this, the, the New Testament to fit the narrative of someone who's so horrible, you believe that they are the Antichrist themselves? And because of that, you base the Antichrist and, and what they have done based off of the actions and behaviors that Nero possessed. Sounds pretty, pretty accurate to me if you, you know, but hey... I don't know. I don't. I don't know the Bible that well. So, for those of you who do read the Bible, let me know if that's any if there's any accuracy in that. I have read the Bible. I I, I honestly have read the Bible. I read it in high school several times because I was just a douche nozzle and I wanted to argue with a bunch of people about it. But I have read the Bible. I read the New Testament, and I I actually remember a few parts. I'm not going to quote certain parts of the Bible because I just don't do that. I don't have the memory for that. But there were parts that I do kind of vaguely remember that what what we're explaining here that. Nero that Nero did to the Christians, they do read, write that and say that they that the Antichrist will come back as an emperor. 
After the Great Fire, Nero opted to spend the expansive Roman treasury not on rebuilding the city at large, but on building an opulent 100-acre palatial, palatial complex that came to be known as the Domus Aurea, or the Golden House. At the center of the Domus Aurea was a 100-foot-tall bronze statue of Nero himself, which the emperor, emperor dubbed Colossus Neronis. <laughs> You know, when I become the king of radio, I'm going to have a hundred foot uh, aluminum statue, and I'm going to I'm going to don that the I'm going to don that I'm going to dub it the M, the uh, Colossus Graveyardigus. <laughs> and that has a, that has a ring to it, the Colossus Graveyardigus. <laughs> Nero is dead. All good things must come to an end. I mean, we all know that he's going to get taken out one way or the other, especially with the atrocities and the way he crippled the economy. There was no doubt that he was going to get taken out. So in the final months of his short life, the emperor tried to flee Rome after some political hostility and a healthy dose of paranoia. He made it as far as the port city of Ostia. Unfortunately, a few of the officers in the city refused to listen when the emperor gave gave them commands. So Nero slunk back to the Roman palace. So at this point, everyone was turning their back on Nero. They're like, yo, you, you don't, I don't agree with what you're doing. What it is isn't what you're saying, so I'm not going to listen to you. You're going to your reign is over anyway, so we're not taking you on the ocean because he wanted to escape and head to a different country. And because he was the emperor, he had a shitload of ships that were available to him, but his military said, "We're not backing you. We have somebody else to back. Get this kicking." And so he's like, "Fuck, I'm over. I need to go back to the palace." And so he stayed there until his end. In a move of Shakespearean-level drama, a courier arrived to tell Nero that the Senate had declared him an enemy of the state and that they intended to beat him to death at their earliest convenience. <laughs> let's go ahead and set up a meeting when we're able to beat the shit out of you, okay? You know, at my earliest convenience, please let me know. I, I have my calendar here, but I, I want you to schedule it. If not, we'll, we'll schedule it for you. It's not, it's not a big deal. We'll schedule our earliest convenience. We're pretty booked up for the next couple of days. With uh, you know Senate shit, we have some some laws to put into into place and some uh, some things to get it to fix after all the things you fucked up. But we'll, we'll get to it. Trust me. Just let me know what what what's, what's a good day. I'll, I'll tell you what days I'm open. This was actually a miscommunication, as the Senate was only considering bashing a Nero skull. Ultimately, they decided to reinstate the emperor and sent a second envoy to let him know. So after all this, even though the Senate was like, yo, this isn't a good thing. Nero is all fucked up. He's destroying it. So let's, let's just beat the shit out of him. No, we're not going to beat the shit out of him. We're just going to bash his skull in. No, you know what? Let's go ahead and reinstate the emperor. We, we kind of need an emperor right now. We don't have any, any good fittings that, that are going to replace him. So let's reinstate him. Meanwhile, Nero has spent the intervening time trying to work up the nerve to take his own life. He reportedly paced around saying what amounted to what an artist dies in me. He tried to convince some of his buddies to end their own lives first to show him how easy it, it was. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine sitting there hanging out with your homies and you know you're about to get, you're about to die since you've been sent letters. And then all of a sudden you're like, yo, I need to take my life. And your friends are all, dude, you got to do what you got to do. And then Nero's all, yo, how about you guys do it first so I can see how easy it is. And his friends are looking at him like, what the fuck? You want me to kill myself to show you how easy it is to kill yourself? How about you just kill yourself and I'll let you know if you succeeded or not? And Nero's all, nah, man, I, I, I don't, you know, I just, I just, you know, I just, nah, man, I just want you to do it first. So I can see how it's done and make sure that it's super easy. Cause if not, then I'm not going to fuck myself up. Okay. 
and if homies are off, well, you're out of your goddamn mind. Well, that's not going to happen. When the Senate messenger arrived to tell him everything was cool, Nero heard the sound of horses approaching, panicked, and ordered his secretary, Epaphrodius, to do the job for him. Epaphrodotius obliged and stabbed Nero. For his loyalty, Epaphrodotius was met, was met with his end in 95 AD. He said, look, we went ahead and Nero said, kill me, man. Just do it right now. Cut, cut me, Mick. Cut me, man. Just cut me, Mick. And Epaphrodotius said, yo, I got you, dog. Stab. And then they said, damn, why did you kill the emperor? And Epa said, because he told me to. Man, you're such a loyal guy. We're going to go ahead and kill you for doing it. What? I just did what my emperor told me. Yeah, but you killed somebody. I can't believe you just killed a man. So we're going to kill you. We're going to kill you for you being so loyal to Nero. Graveyard Grumbler's final wrap. Let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. Yeah, we've been speaking about Nero long enough. I thought I, 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 I thought I was going to have a lot more brutality and more crazy information to, to speak about, but I did not. But the deed is done, so let's finish it up. Let's just wrap it up. So let's touch a few things. So remember when I mentioned that that he was just a man whore and wanted, well, I didn't mention he was a man whore, but he, he wanted to marry a bunch of different people. So Nero wanted to marry his mistress, Popea. He divorced and exiled Octavia and trumped up on a trumped up charge of adultery. Remember that he said, yo, they lied. And this caught would, because they, you know, uh, adultery was such a bad thing back in the olden times. I mean, it's supposed to be now, but because of that, the, Nero had his his soon-to-be ex-wife murdered on the basis of adultery. And then after that, Nero had her executed and had her head presented to his new wife. So after Popea was was executed by Nero, Nero had her decapitated and was and given and gave his new wife his ex-wife's head. Said, look, the divorce is final. Let's get married. Jesus Christ. Why would you marry someone right after you just, they just decapitated their ex-wife's head? What end do you think you're going to have? You're, you're not going to have a good end. That's just the bottom line. He forced people to watch his performances without letting them leave, which Seutonis wrote led to some led some to pretend they had died so they would be carried out of the theater. Could you imagine having being such a horrible performer that you have to force people to stay there and endure your ridiculous performance? And you you're so you can't leave. You're so horrible. That people faked their death just to be carried out the theater so they can leave the performance because you're so bad at it. That's ridiculous. On Nero's orders, people endured the most horrific methods of persecution. From torture and whip. Oh, um, on Nero's orders, Christians endured, endured the most horrific methods of persecution. From torture and whipping to being dressed in animal skins and set upon by wild dogs. Nero apparently delighted in having men crucified in his garden, coated in wax, and set alight to act as candles at his parties. So overall, Nero was just a child, a petulant child, who had all this power, had these demented thoughts, and had no one to rein in the monster. He was brutal. He sent his economy into shambles, burned down, or his city burned to, to ashes, and was probably destroying one of the greatest empires in, in, in modern history at that time. So what do we learn from this? Don't be Nero. If you don't like someone, don't kill them and have them burned like a fucking torch in your, in your garden. That just doesn't make any sense to me. But other than that, I mean, there's not really much left to say on Nero. He was, he was an awful little jackass kid 
who had too much power and not to, and didn't know what to do with it. So if you come into power, be smart about it. Don't be an asshole. And that's that's the bottom line. Let me see. And announcements. The radio station is up and running. If you go to RadioKing.com, look up Graveyard Grumbler and you can listen to my music. I mean, I have it on a, on a continuous playlist. It's probably going to repeat since I, I only have a limited amount of space that I can put songs on there. However, every Thursday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time or 10 a.m. in America, Texas time, Texas, United States time. I do a live show. Yesterday, I did my first live show on Radio King. I'm, I'm also on Discord to have chats involved while I'm doing my live. So I did a three-hour show yesterday. I was only prepared for a two-and-a-half-hour show, so I did 30 extra minutes, and my voice is paying the price for it now. I'm not very happy with it. But, I mean, I was very happy with the performance. I had a few people show up, and I and I greatly appreciate it. I know I have to build my audience, so please let that out there. Graveyard Grumbler Radio on RadioKing.com. Every Thursday, I have a show to, to perform. I mean, I'm going to be the next King Radio, so it's only, it's only accurate. Also, the Patreon is still up and going. I put out, I put out uh, many episodes throughout the month. So... There was last November was a little rough for me. I had a shitload of things going on and I try to put out as much as I can. And uh, I do apologize for the delay. That won't happen again as long as I can help it. If it's out of my control, then I would try to make it up to everybody. But other than that, there's no new other announcements. Please support me by uh, sharing and liking, commenting on, on iTunes and wherever else you can comment on my show. Share it, share it, share it, share it. Please tune into the radio show every Thursday on RadioKing.com. If you're interested in listening to the radio show, send me your email. Email me at graveyardgrumbler at mail.com. Graveyardgrumbler at mail.com. M-A-I-L. In the, in the email, just write caption radio show or join the radio show and then just write some little note. That way I have your email address and I can send it in a group email. So that way every Thursday, I send out the link every Thursday morning to the people that, that I invite. All you have to do is follow the link and it goes to my radio show and you can hear me live. I will also send out the discord link. That way you can be attached to the chat group. That way during my live, we can interact with everybody. I'm still working on how to figure out how to take calls on the radio station. Uh, it, it's a, it, it's a board. It's a whole equipment issue that I'm, I'm trying to figure out. Other than that, nothing more. But please, if you're interested in joining the radio show, again, it's a live radio show every Thursday. I play various genres of music. I I hope tell jokes, talk about certain issues, give my opinion on certain things, and just try to make your Thursday morning a little better. Again, if you're interested, send me your email saying, hey, I want to join the radio show. That's all you have to title. Put a little, little description at graveyardgrumbler at mail.com, graveyardgrumbler at mail.com. I appreciate everyone for listening. Thank you so much. I appreciate you from the bottom of my little black heart. And as always, good morning, good day, good night, goodbye. This is the end. This is the end. This is the end. Beautiful friend. 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 Graveyard Grumbler Graveyard Podcast. Grumbler.